Thank God it's Free Range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now. Flashback trip. Phil Bridge working for tips. Good times, good friends. Back then, didn't know how good we had it. In a rush to grow up fast. Quick blink, and here I am. The city streets closing in on me. My need to breathe's got me reaching. For my Chevy keys to get these wheels off, black top, backdrop, nothing but blue sky, dirt road, windows down, let the radio rewind, get lost in the feeling, get found in the freedom, unplug the wine, untie the vines that hold me down, get grounded, wheels off, black top, we get so busy sometimes. We feel like ships in the night But I miss your love, yeah. I miss your touch, yeah Girl, hop up in my ride and we can go and find it Get these wheels off, black top, backdrop, nothing but blue skies Dirt road, windows down, let the radio rewind Get lost in the feeling, get found in the freedom I'm plugged on wine until the vines that hold me down Get grounded Wheels off the blacktop Cut through the noise and the pines And we'll find our way back to a time When we both felt alive Nothing but blue sky Backdrop, nothing but blue skies Dirt road, windows down Let the radio rewind Get lost in the feeling Get found in the freedom Unplug, unwind, untie the bonds And hold me down Get grounded Wheels off, blacktop Wheels off, blacktop Wheels off, blacktop UMFM, this is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Ellis. Kicking things off for us tonight, Winnipeg's own Donna Merrow with Wheels Off, a recent single. Getting things going as this uh, airplane of a show takes off. We've got a very busy one for you. Uh, First up, 
Talk to Ariel Posen, who is in town next Friday night playing at the Park Theater, touring on the strength of his new record, Reasons Why. We'll get to that. We've got an interview with T Nautilus, former Winnipegger, former UMFM host, about his new album, In the Limited Time. We've got the GM of Nuit Blanche, because that's happening tomorrow night. Busy weekend. Uh, and then after the weekend, Elliot Brood in town to play the Blue Note Park on Monday the 25th. And I spoke to the band about their forthcoming records. We're going to get all of those interviews in, plus some new music. This is Chase Porter with Rolls of 35 from the Birmingham, Alabama native. Uh, Follow-up to Chase Palace on Earth Libraries. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM. Well, the last time we had him on, 
He released Downtown, his EP. He is back with Reasons Why and bringing it to the Park Theater next Friday the 29th. Ariel Posen, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Uh, so, I mean, at the time we talked about the EP, I knew you were kind of, this This was gestating. We're getting kind of formed, the, the Reasons Why record, and you kind of alluded to, you know, play, playing some of those songs when you were playing out live and stuff. You know, you've had the better part of a year to put this together and, and finalize it, and now it's out in the world. Are, are you happy with kind of how things sussed out over the last year with this record following up that EP? Absolutely. Uh, and it was de- it was more than a year. It was, we're, we're coming up on almost two years since we started recording. But okay. I, I started writing almost three years ago for this record. So I basically put together 30 songs. I had probably had my biggest creative burst. And within those 30 songs, you know, I definitely felt like I had 10 that I was very fond of and felt could be a record. And then I had five other ones that I really, really loved as well. But I just didn't see them sitting with those specific 10 songs. And and that's why I did the, the EP a year ago, just because I, I really still wanted to put those songs out. Mm. I just felt like they needed to occupy their own space rather than with these 10 songs. So exactly. So the um, chronology I'm, I'm of the, the reasons why then, like the those songs and the downtown songs were all kind of written in the same era, but then you realized, yes. you know, those ones wouldn't work with this record. Yeah. And it's not that they didn't work. I just, um, thematically, musically, I just, you know, I mean, in hindsight, it probably would have fit fine, <laughs> but at the time I just wanted to keep the selection of songs that I picked for reasons why as their own. And then the other five, on their own because they represented different i don't know different eras and just different approaches so, like sonically speaking too i i just felt it'd be cool to split them up so the the song then on reasons why you said you, it's not necessarily like they're thematically linked like it was like a vast difference from downtown but do you see them because I, I i read like one piece that uh basically alluded to the fact that like these are kind of your like wrestling with why we do certain things and how we act in relationships like were these the ones that most spoke to that be honest uh yes and no okay that's the other song like the songs from the ep are are primarily relationship songs too Mm -hmm. um but these ones definitely have a core focus on relationships self-reflection just accepting how we are as people and also looking at other people's situations kind of from a looking glass and from the outside and these songs are autobiographical but they're also not they're all some of them are about other people's experiences that i know and just felt very natural to write about so it was a mixture and reasons why i just felt like this umbrella i hate titling a record it's Mm. always tough Um, but this one just felt like every song is an explanation. It's not just an action or an event. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, diving deeper into why and how we feel certain things, you know, like like a more of an exploration. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What what makes titling a record hard? Like, cause I know some bands just basically choose like one song that's like, this is the title track 
yeah and, and some bands it's like the t- title has like nothing to do with the record like yeah it, do you wrestle with kind of like what what the title should be because of that like that there is like a vast discrepancy in terms of how how things kind of represent i think i think it's even more bland for me i just want to be make sure that whatever the title of a record is holds up in time you know obviously it makes sense to me to have a title that reflects the theme of the record but at the same time it's almost more important that it just has a nice ring to it and a nice overarching sounding hooking like hook you in type of title to it so i've always gone for something that represents the theme of the record Mm. um but some of my favorite records you know kind of have nothing to do with the song (laughs) or the 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 songs on the record i think there's no right or wrong way to do it that's just how i feel and i i just like hum and haw over these kind of things because it's like well this is your record you're gonna have to live with this record for the rest of your life like so like make sure you don't title it something dumb essentially (laughs) and how to how to gauge what's dumb i i i heard you on a a a guitar podcast and you were talking about you know your love of the beatles being kind of like not necessarily foisted on you but your parents certainly played the beatles and like the white album like what does that mean in any sense other than the cover of the title right like i mean most beatles records are just either a song title or in their later years was just something i mean revolver rubber soul like these are just kind of ways of describing it kind of sets the mood for a record. It kind of, I don't know. It's, words have a powerful impact, you know, mm-hmm. even if they don't necessarily mean anything specific. You know, why is, um, I, I like when bands use lyrics or like pieces of lyrics as titles for stuff like that. I think that's a cool move. Mm-hmm. But everyone does it a little differently. And, you know, it's, I think it comes down to what's, what's going to bring people in, what's, what's captivating about a title while not forcing a captivating title. It's like, you got to go with what authentically makes sense and represents your vision. Sure. Speaking of words, having meaning then in terms of the, the lyrical content on this record, like, are you the type of person who does like drafts of song lyrics? Like, do you, do you go back and tinker with the lyrics and, and, you know, take multiple passes at it to try to get it right? Or do you kind of trust your gut that like the first thing is the most, you know, immediate and, and expressive? No, I always tinker with every element of songs, whether it be lyrics or music or arrangement. Uh, when you write a song, or at least when I write a song, you know, you have what you've put down and you kind of sit with it for a bit. And in time, when you, whether you demo some songs or you start your pre-production process, certain things change sometimes and it makes more sense to read when you revisit and you go, you know what, this verse could be stronger or this bridge doesn't really mean anything. It's not saying anything with impact. Maybe this chorus doesn't make sense. So I'm always open to tweaking as need be and like not being too attached to anything until it's done. If that makes sense. I, I produce a lot for other people as well. So I'm just so used to having a very non-final um attitude about it although like non-final but always working towards a goal of finishing if that if that's what it means it's not done till it's done right. mentality 
so do you then bring kind of like your producer impulses to your own work? Like, are you able to almost like sit outside yourself and hear your songs as if you were not the creator, but just the producer? Yes and no. I mean, I, I co-produced this record with Murray Pulver, who's produced, um, he produced my first record and we co-produced my, my last one as well together. So it's, it's useful, especially in like the formative. I mean, it's very, it's supposed to be useful the entire time, but in those, uh, those pre-production days where we're just like making sure the songs and the arrangements are as good as they need to be and the lyrics are good. And then in the tracking process, it's really good to have another brain to lean on and to make sure like, I'm not, uh, I'm the first to fire anything or like my own idea or an approach that I suggest right away. I just, I, I really value having another person to lean on and, and have, someone else who has the same goal but might be looking at it from a different side i think that's super important because you can kind of get tunnel vision if you just work by yourself and even if you have the greatest instincts and you know exactly what you want it's sometimes nice to just bounce off of different ideas with another person so then working with murray like was that by design to have that kind of sounding board or like a set of second set of ears to hear things differently for you exactly that's the whole point it's yeah. it's to uh you know we i think like i just said we we can only see so much on our own it, it's really important at least i find it's very important just in any kind of musical situation to have a producer because you know as an artist you get so caught up in the songs and the art that you've created you it's important to have someone else who's kind of looking at it from an outside view and maybe seeing a slightly bigger picture because they're not as attached to certain things as you are. And they just, you know, it's just coming at it from a different point of view. Like I said, it, it, it really makes a difference. Pardon me. <clears throat> so does he have a hand in terms of the, the track, like listing, like the flow of the record? Like, do you give Murray the opportunity to kind of like sift through the, the pieces and say like, this is how we put the puzzle together? Um, I've done that before. He's not too like he's he's very easy going. Everyone's a little different. He's kind of I think he's the type that if someone has a pretty good idea of what they want, he doesn't um, force opinion unless he's asked. But uh, for this one, it felt very clear how I wanted to pace the record. And I, I was I'm kind of old school. I, I like a listening experience even though we live in this time of singles and streaming and playlists and stuff i still like to put a record on from front to back and just have it feel like a journey mm -hmm. so i kind of keep that in mind the even, whole time for sure even before thoughts of like pressing it to vinyl or something it's like how would this flow if i had to kind of like break it up halfway and you know flip yeah the yeah, yeah exactly yeah. exactly the show on the 29th are you just doing the, the new record or are you dipping into the back catalog or what's the kind of plan for for the live set yeah it's it's a lot of the new stuff a lot of the old favorites if you will um we we've started we started this tour and this new show a few weeks ago already in europe so yeah new show feels great feels really satisfying to to play the new songs live and um it was really fun touring already because we toured in Europe 
before the album came out, two weeks leading up to the record release. So mm. a lot of people were hearing them for the first time. And I'm looking forward to, you know, kicking off this weekend properly on tour now, now that the record's been out for two weeks as of tomorrow. But yeah. And fans have great. some familiarity at this point versus like hearing it blindly. Totally. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, Ariel, I want to get you to pick a track off Reasons Why. And if you can give me a reason why you're picking it or an anecdote about the song, I'd love to hear that. Well, why don't we choose this? This is this song wasn't a single, but it seems to be a bit of a favorite so far from people that have reached out to me is a song called Broken, But I'm Fine. And the idea behind the song is that it really just talks about mental health and anxiety or, or just like any of the things that we as individuals deal with but don't ever want to burden anybody with. And we just keep inside. And I feel like we live in this age of, you know, talking to someone and being like, how's everything going? It's like, well, uh, this is awful and this is horrible and I'm struggling with this, but it's all good, whatever. You know, it's fine. You know how we always deflect and do that? Yeah. So bro broken, but I'm fine is kind of saying, it's like, I'm not okay, but it's fine, whatever. Yeah, I've taken the <laughs> same, I'm not okay, but I'm all right is kind of my exactly yeah yeah no i get so that you. that's that's the vibe that's the vibe well i can definitely buy into that vibe uh the park theater on the 29th that's next friday with tara lightfoot ariel thanks for taking some time and congratulations on the release of the record my pleasure man thanks so much for having me i can't look back and i'm spinning around again
Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, and you just heard from Data Black Sheep was Jean Dast's Coal Barge. New single from that act who sent me some stuff about a year ago. Uh, we had played Sabka Malik Ek 
at the time. This is a little bit of a different vibe from what we uh, played a year ago, but uh, still digging what they're up to. Speaking of people I'm digging and what they're up to, Victoria Act Jackson uh, has a new single out called So Tired. This is a little bit of a throwback soul thing. Uh, really into it, so I'm going to play you that before we get into my interviews with uh, Ian Thompson, a.k.a. T. Nautilus, and the GM of Nuit Blanche, Kurt Tittlemeyer. Those are coming up right after this. I've been so We teased it a couple weeks back, but uh, T Nautilus is in the limited time out now, available on Bandcamp. Ian T.D. Thompson, our friend, back on the show. Welcome back, Ian. 
Well, hey, thanks for having me, Michael. Uh, excited to, to touch base. My pleasure. Now, the first thing I want to start with, the artwork, it's your grandmother's painting? Yeah. So so my, my grandmother, um, you know, uh, left a bunch of really great artwork um, when she passed. And um, I used the artwork for the first album in 2015. And then my mom dug out more pieces of artwork that just just encapsulated the music so great. So, yeah, Spaghetti, Home Office, all of those tracks, uh, that's that's her artwork. I hadn't realized that. That's great. That's a nice, like, kind of tie-in or, like, homage to, you know, like, the lineage and, and like, artistic creativity in your family, I guess. Yeah, no, no, she, it, it's actually really crazy. She actually sung, too. So it's been really, it's been a weird, you know, obviously, you know, uh, th- this is present-day music, but it's also a kind of looking back. Like, mm-hmm. my grandfather was a, an orchestra musician, and my, my, my grandmother did sing herself and, like, was a singer and everything. But then, like, she's got this great artwork, and it's it's very interesting when you're able to, pick these pieces that are decades old and yet they they encapsulate the moment in in 2022 2023 yeah so did you have any recordings of her singing like is there any chance you can like interweave like you know like a a multi-generational duet like oh i'm so glad you asked that so I, i i was back in winnipeg um in in uh in august and I've, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but I, but I was able to, to use that, oh. to use like past recordings and, and to get a little bit of the, the molding of, of generations, like kind of as a sample in some way, right. which is, which has been a really cool uh, experience. And it's, it's very, it's very funny to be, to be duetting with, uh, with, with my grandmother. So. So I want to ask about Jordan Jacku, who you thank first yeah. in the acknowledgements, your producer, engineer, mixer, friend. What's because producer, there are kind of like there's a wide swath of what producers do, right? Like there's like mm-hmm. the hand on all the buttons dictating how things go. And then there's kind of like the confidant who is like, let me just suggest how about this? Like there's the the relationship with a producer can be like a vastly different thing from from person to person. What's what's your specific relationship with Jordan and like what is what's his role for you Ooh, great question I mean it's it's a weird thing because like we have just such a, a good understanding coming into the studio like I think so I come in I got these demos from like a, a jam man loop pedal like just all these crazy arrangements going on in my head I, I come in there and you know he's he's able to like just clean it up make it sound good and it just like it's tweaking at the edges to just make it sound that much better i'd say you know um we, we don't do a lot of discussions about themes or you know I, I know like rick rubin is a big you know philosopher we, we don't do that it's usually just about what makes the song work and he's just been he's done 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 such a great job over the years and and part of it's just like we we have such a broad understanding of you know my role his role when we go into the studio and like it's been interesting because you know, I've recorded, this is the third album or third EP, I guess you could say. And each time it gets shorter and shorter in recording time because we're so efficient about it. Like we know how I play, like, you know, doing the guitar parts, singing and everything. And he's he's able to just like do, do like snap his, his hand and say, that was a good take, that was a bad take, do it again. And just the rote exercise of it. Um, and again, I, I thank him for being able to like, you know, encapsulate the music just so well in that regard. And is that, 
it's refined because of the repetition. Like you've done these three now together and like the third one has become considerably easier than maybe the first one was. Oh yeah. Like the first one was just like, you know, I was, I felt but a boy at that point in terms of like, you know, I, I, I didn't even consider myself a musician back then, you know, now it's like, okay, I know going in, I got to like practice every single part down to a T. I know that the tuning is always going to be a bit off and then, you know, singing's always variable. And so like, it's, I think like the first album, there's obviously there's more tracks, but like that took a very long time. That was a summer endeavor. The second one was about a month. This one was six days for five tracks. You know, we just barreled through it, you know? Um, and so, and, and I think in future recordings, it'll move even faster, which so, is, which is cool. Like nearly a track a day, basically at this pace. Yeah, exactly. And it, it was it was funny because like we had like time to spare like on that last day. Just like, do we have everything? It's like I think we do. So, um, but yeah, it was like basically a track a day. Now, did you are these the five tracks, or did you have any like extraneous things you decided to discard as you went through the recording process with him? Um, it's it's a weird thing where just like you know, I I go in there and like you know, I have this like now now I find that it's it's a loop pedal that's that's not being sold anymore. But I have these loops, you know, on this pedal, and you know, when you when when I decide to go into the studio, it's like which are the ones I'm selecting, and sometimes they're just kind of random, you know. Like it, it, on this track, it was it was funny because like a song like. Peace, Love, and the other thing was always, I always knew I really wanted to record that one. But then the actual title track in the limited time was like something I kind of just, like it was a bit of an outro, like for a long time for another track. And it's like, okay, let's just fill this up and everything. And it kind of just grew from there. Um, but but I'd say, no, I don't, I don't think there was anything I left on uh, that I kind of wanted to really record for this one. I, I always just knew that like, you know, I always go in with the idea that if this is the last stuff I record, how do I feel about it? You know, you know, I'm putting a nice bow tie on it. And I, I feel like I, I got, I got what I wanted to encapsulate from the time period, um, out on the CP. So these are the songs you're most certain of when you go into the recording studio at that point, or it's more that like, these are the, the songs I have ready. It, it, it's, it's a combination of both. Cause like sometimes like, because there was such a long period between you know the 2016 release and and this one like I'd been playing around with like so much material for a while you know because like you know I, I'm still you know despite life happening you know I'm still writing music and so there were certain songs that just like that I've written and they will never be recorded because the time has passed for them and so but then there's some on here you know peace love and the other thing was something that well that one was always something like a song that I always had in the back back of my head uh all of my friends the main riff i think was like years old and everything like that but then a song like spaghetti was written like you know about a month or two before going in you know so so it really spans uh uh, uh a, a lot of the time so putting spaghetti first is that because it was the freshest it was the freshest it was also i tried to like you know right past wrongs a little bit because like i um just not, from a uh, from a musical point of view, I always wanted a song that just like hit people really hard right at the beginning, and I found it that Spaghetti's the most like it's got that like big chord at the beginning, just grabbing people's attention and everything, which is why I thought it would be great for the intro and everything. I I, I always I won't say I regret this, but you know for the first album I chose the instrumental as the as the intro and. I always wanted like maybe I should have started with like a little bit more of the pop friendly friendly sort of song, which is why spaghetti kind of came first. Gotcha. 
Now you mentioned in the limited time was kind of an outro initially. It, it, it wasn't actually, uh, it, I always knew I wanted all of my friends to be the closer. Cause it, it, it reminded me a lot of those, just like, you know, the song you'd play, like at the end of like, you know, you're out with your friends or something like, here's the song it reminds me of like a lot of like velvet underground, I think like, um, after hours or something like that is what always kind of stuck with me. I'm just like, here's, here's the end, you know, it's a quiet song, you know, it's celebratory roll in a good mood. Um, in the limited time was just, it felt like the idea was an extension of the song peace love and the other thing about like you know making sure you're not you know regretting anything making sure that you know you're using the, the limited time you have you know on this planet to the best of your availability and so it kind of was a, a cool extension of that i felt and then it just became its own sort of thing gotcha so i had maybe misinterpreted what you said earlier about it kind of being like the like the coda or like end of a, a previous track and it being mm-hmm, kind of a natural mm-hmm. ending, uh, but yeah. in, but instead choosing that like soft like fade away that the all my friends provides. Yeah, exactly. So then, uh, uh, choosing to name the album after this, you know, coda that you slip in the middle. Uh, mm-hmm. What was the decision making factor that went into that? I, I think I always wanted to call the album in a limited time. You know, I just thought that like it, it, it summarized a lot uh, of what was what was going on. Like it just I mean, frankly, from a pragmatic point of view, having six days to record this album, you know, limited time. Um, but it, it just it touched on so many of the themes of the songs itself, you know, like uh, about, again, just using like it, it, it touches on it in Peace, Love and Home Office, just about, you know, using your time effectively spending it with people that you want to spend it with. And and so I, I just found that like, it just encapsulates so much. And then when it came to like, here's this nameless, in, in, nameless, uh, 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 instrumental, you're just like, okay, let's just, let's call it the title track. And then like, we'll, we'll do a, an abrupt ending at the end, which people, uh, <laughs> don't seem to like, but again, that's kind of the point of it. So, yeah, you were mentioning off air that maybe that's a, a divisive ending, but that it's, it's meant to evoke like getting cut short that, that there is limited time. Yeah, just like you, you get comfortable, you know, you get really comfortable with this like very, you know, consistent riff, you know, throughout the whole song, you know, this 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 rhythm and everything. And just like, oh wait, wait a minute, I guess you know, there it is. That's the end of it, you know. Let's uh, and you got to appreciate it for that moment, and and that's it. But again, I guess people just want uh, it to keep going, you know. So not that we're in an actual post-COVID world, but you know, we're behaving as if we are. Is this yeah. kind of like you? reflecting on those themes like like the home office and you know the, the notions of what what do we do with our time and and was that something that was kind of like percolating in your head and something you were wrestling with during say lockdown periods and then kind of coming coming out of that oh oh a hundred percent i i think i think every i think well, obviously covid affected everyone in their own unique way and, and for me that was certainly the case it just like you know, I did a bit of a change in, you know, career paths, you know, with COVID. And I, I know a number of people who did. And, and again, just like when you, it's only when you are truly like isolated from your friends and family that you truly like say, geez, I need to make some, some, some calls in this and say, you know, maybe I, I should be, you know, uh, being more choosy with how I use my time and, and how, how I go about my, my daily business. And so songs like home office are very much tied to that. 
um, where it's just like, you know, you, you got, you got to make the most of it. And so like home off, but like home office is also a funny one. Cause it's, it's also a dual purpose. Cause you know, I study law and there's a, there's a case called home office versus Dorset yacht. And it's, it's, it's a weird thing where I'm, I'm talking about an actual home office, but it's also this, this story because the story of home office is a bunch of, about a bunch of Borstal boys back in the UK, I think in the 1970s who escaped prison. You know, and I always wanted to kind of write it from their point of view about being escaping, you know, taking this boat and going off into the distance, you know, and 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 realizing they they got to get the hell out, you know. And again, that ties to you know how we might have felt during lockout, being away from our friends and family, but then also to these uh, <laughs> to these uh, juvenile delinquents as well. So right. So obviously, this album just came out, uh, but you like alluded to the fact that when you were back in Winnipeg in August, you, you are working on new stuff. Like are, are do you have like a, a fixed goal as to like another EP or is this just kind of like, I'm working on songs cause I'm always working on songs and who knows where they'll go. Yeah. I, I, again, like I, I got a little bit more time this past August to, to record some more. I, I, you don't realize how much you miss a song right until, you know, you've been away from it for so long, but like, you know, this in the limited time was definitely like, you know, I I forgot how much I missed doing this and just recording. And you know, I've been playing some shows here in Toronto, um, and uh, and and so yeah, I had some time to record again in August. And so there's plans for another release. You know, hopefully uh, sometime in in 2024 as well. So um, uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see when that uh, comes to fruition. Very different stuff, but uh, still still under the the same old T Nautilus name. Well, in the meantime, folks can go to tnautilus.bandcamp.com to hear and purchase the new EP. Before I let you go, Ian, I want to get you to pick a track off of it that we can play for listeners. And if you have a reason why you're picking Ooh. that song or an anecdote about it, I'd love to hear that. Okay. Um, oh, goodness. Um, you know, we, 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 we've talked about a few of the tracks. Uh, I, I think I want to go with all of my friends. It's like, it's by far my most wholesome one. It, it was really fun recording that one. It, it feels very campy. You know, um, it was funny. Jordan's got a, a daughter and, and, and his daughter loves it, you know, and, and I always thought that just like, and, and whenever I play it, you know, I've played it for my friends and everything. There's a real wholesome vibe to it. And and that's it's it's the reason why it closes the album and or closes the EP. And uh, and I, I don't know, just it, it's a simple song, but like I think it really encapsulates, you know, a, a lot of the themes on, on the EP. All right. Well, we'll give that one a listen. Uh, Ian, pleasure to have you back on the show and congratulations on the release of the new EP. Hey, well, thanks. Uh, thanks so much, Michael. And thanks for having me. Riding up the leg of my love 
I may turn my head Give it up and fly away like a thug Oh no, oh no, oh no These winters often blow Oh no, oh no But sunshine let her go Exciting things afoot tomorrow in Winnipeg. Nuit Blanche is back, and the GM, Colonel Tittlemeyer, joins me on the show to talk about it. Welcome. Hi there. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, this is, it's always an exciting night. Uh, in terms of, like, how far, like, are you basically, like, starting to look at, like, 2024 Nuit Blanche? Like, is, is like, what's, what's kind of the, like, timeline for, for organizing something like this? We are looking at 2024. We're zeroing on our dates actually this week. Um, and really the timeline is after this year's Nuit Blanche, the, the next like six weeks after that will really be festival wrap up. Mm-hmm. We send out surveys to people to get their feedback. We report all to our funders and our sponsors, and we just generally collect as much feedback as we can. And our artistic advisory committee starts working right in the beginning of the new year, early January. And that's when we start planning the event, really. So it's not like a full year out, but the the better part of the year goes into organizing this. So the 2023 event happening on Saturday basically began in January. Yeah, it it does. I mean, like we have some kind of high level planning even in December, Mm -hmm. but in January is when we start really... Um, you know, having board meetings and deciding things and really moving things forward. Yeah. So then planning that far ahead, like what kind of, like, are there logistical hurdles you have to deal with or like what's, what's kind of like the biggest obstacle or, or difficulty you face planning something, you know, nine months out? Um, I mean, there's, there's a number of, you know, challenges, uh, I think every event's a bit unique, so I can talk a little bit about like what we have found for challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing is, is our events completely free, so we have to do quite a bit of fundraising in order to put on just the infrastructure for this festival, mm. considering there's no revenue from ticket sales. 
Um, so that's something that we strategize about. Uh, also just making sure it's a quality experience and we stay on brand. And really our brand is free events. They're between six and midnight downtown. They're contemporary uh, in multiple genres. And just kind of like tightening that up in January, really what our brand is and what we want to communicate to people. And we just kind of go from there. But of course, you have to be adaptable when you're that many months out, right? Right. So yeah, that's basically how we strategize. So then you mentioned, you know, downtown free. Those are kind of the 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 crux of the the programming but beyond that like are are you looking for new things you haven't done before or like working with partners you've had in the past and and like renewing those kind of partnerships like what's the impetus with regards to those yeah i mean so yeah for sure we're always looking for you know great partners and and we're we're very fortunate we have amazing partners as as things are right now um, to be frank, some of our partners, uh, they just come to us with great ideas. I mm. wish we could say that we organize it all, but there's a lot of creativity amongst our partners that they they come up with something new uh, for us each year. So we're grateful for that. Uh, but like, for example, this year, the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, it's the first time that they're participating. That's something we were involved in and uh, kind of collaborating with them. It's their first time. Uh, so yeah, I think it's really a mix of are you know the partners that know us well and really amplifying what they're doing and also outreach we're always looking for new partners too so with the existing partners then you've built up enough of a brand and a you know relationship that they they're kind of like on their own or at least can kind of like handle things the the new ones like the CMHR like do you have to kind of like coax them into doing something like this i wouldn't say coax them but we have to um we have to make sure they they know what to expect uh, at our event. And yeah, for sure, we give them lots of guidance. And But I mean, an organization like that has substantial staff and talented people working there. So it's not as though we have to hold their hand at all, but we want to make sure that the efforts that they put in, that they get the most out of them. And, and as they're the first time that they're doing it this year, we want to, to know what to expect and just try to oversee the whole thing and give them lots of promotion so that uh, when it comes to showtime that there's lots of people at their door. Right. So then do you map out kind of like all the different participants and, and sort of strategize like how best to advertise things based on where they are or what's happening at what times? Like what's what's the logistics of that? Sure, the logistics of that are is actually not so much like reaching out to individual events or venues or managers, but it's more like we've really in the last couple of years, especially since the pandemic and we've relaunched Nuit Blanche, we're really focusing on four zones and we invite everyone that we can in those zones to participate. And then once they start coming to us with their events, then we try to, you know, tweak up uh, to make sure that everything's in walking distance, because that's really a big part of our Nuit Blanche that we have here in Winnipeg. Uh, we don't want people to drive to different uh, events. We're hoping that you can bike downtown, that you can walk between events. If there's something too far, we provide free trolleys to get you there. Um, so I guess really for the logistics, we just really stick with those four zones, reach out to everyone in those zones. And then as the events firm up, we try to coordinate them so it's like a clear route and people uh, can access them. 
So we talked about, you know, how things kind of start in January. What does the actual night look like for you and, and the like rest of the Nuit Blanche staff? Like, are you running around making sure things are operating smoothly or are you putting out fires? What's what's your or do you get to enjoy some of it? <laughs> you know, uh, it depends on the year. This is my ninth year. So I've had years where I've just, uh, you know, my wife and I have ridden our bikes around and taken it in like uh, tourists. Um, and then there's other years, uh, that some, sometimes things come up, right? So mm -hmm. I'm definitely on call. I will have a walkie talkie all night and my duties for Nuit Blanche, I think will be done around 10 30 this year if things go as planned. But I mean, it's really a labor of love. So it's, it's not, uh, you can't run an event like this and expect to have the night off. <laughs> sure enough. Yeah. Now, I mean, not to put you on the spot, what's on your kind of like if 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 you don't have to put out any fires, what what do you hope to go check out? Oh, that's a good point. Um, well, as in past years, I really uh, the way that I will Nuit Blanche if I have the time is to start at the Forks and walk to the Exchange District. There's lots of art along that path, mm. and then I will also take the trolleys to visit Saint Boniface. Their Hyper Art Fest has just grown so much. It's excellent events there. And then I will take the trolley to the WAG. And that that is how I, I will Nuit Blanche, kind of like covering like downtown Forks uh, and exchange all foot. And then I'll zip out to CCFM, mm -hmm. uh, check out that hub, and then I'll end it off with the WAG Street Party. So part of it's the logistics of, you know, how to get around and, you know, walking in the early evening, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a plan. Where's the best place for folks to kind of get tabs on all that's happening and, and map out their own uh, schedule? So www.nuitblanchewinnipeg.ca. Um, on the 18th, we released our map. We'll, we will be also releasing on our webpage our app. I highly recommend downloading it. It has lots of information. New on the app this year is that you will be able to see the trolleys where they are on the map. Like, like live feed, kind of like mm. your Skip the Dishes driver. Okay. So that you can uh, jump on a trolley. Uh, you can see where they're going to be when they're close to a stop. Um, and that's a really a good place. And for social media, we're definitely an Instagram-heavy organization. All immediate changes or new projects, they'll all go up there first. Awesome. Uh, well, Kurt, best of luck with the event. And uh, thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk about it. Thanks very much. Thanks for having us.
right, well, returning to Winnipeg to play Blue Note Park on Monday the 25th, Elliot Brood bringing some new tunes and old ones, and the whole band joins me on the phone. How's it going, guys? I'm really good. We're just rehearsing here. <laughs> so as I understand it, uh, you, you have two new records coming out, and you're, you're releasing them kind of like one at a time, but they're thematically linked. Is that correct? That's an easy way to describe it. Yeah, that's it. It's a little complicated, but... I'm trying to trick some people. <laughs> so it's it's what town and country, and town town is first. Uh, I mean, is that just because like people say town and country and not country and town, or w- were the songs for <laughs> for town ready? Like how how did you determine which one gets first billing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's a whole bunch of different things that are like named town and country. You know, you have car, old cars, old uh, guitars as well, and all that stuff. It just kind of flows better that way. It's like opposed. meatballs and spaghetti. Right. That yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of those situations. Jelly and peanut butter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. a certain order of things, and if you're saying town and country, it goes in that order. Sure enough. So then you have to release them in that order. Now, did did both kind of albums, like this, the material for the albums kind of come out together, or was it something where you were starting to write a bunch of songs about one or the other and then said, hey, how about we do both? The plan was pretty much from the beginning. We just had a whole bunch of stuff that we kind of wanted to put out like that. And it just kind of, we also had these suits that kind of Casey's is the town side of suits and mine is the countryside and Steve's is kind of flows right in the middle. So it's kind of, uh, it just kind of worked that way. I don't know, thematically anyways, you know, and, Steve, and lyrically as well. Steve, Steve's the end. The end. <laughs> Thank you. Your that's your name. That's the front cover, front drum head. There you go. There you go. Just the ampersand. Uh, that's, really that's pretty good. Ampersand. But you know, uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Love it. It's pretty funny. Uh, my name is Ampersand. You can call me Ann for short. Uh, country and town. Yeah. So, as I understand, the first single, Rose City. So, is that Windsor, Rose City, or is it uh, another Rose City that you guys are writing about? Yeah. No, it's it's Windsor. I didn't really know that Portland, Oregon, is the Rose City mm-hmm. as well, but. Um, Windsor's better. <laughs> <laughs> Windsor's our hometown. It's always been known as the Rose City. There, are, I'm not sure why there's more smoke than roses, but whatever. It's uh, it is the Rose City, and it, yeah, that song's sort of like an homage to that that town and the people that we kind of grew up with there. Yeah, in terms of writing something like that at this point, I mean, because you guys have written a, a heaping ton of songs. Like, w- was there an impulse to kind of like return to where you guys were from in that sense, or just like, hey, we've never written a song about where we're from? We actually have like, you know, not directly. Okay. We're full of nostalgia all the time. So that, and I mean, coming out of what we all went through, the little homesickness is involved with the whole, the whole record, I think, mm. which is, yeah, that goes over a few records, but I look back a lot for songs. That one was written from being really far away from home and really sort of missing it and missing the friends I have there. And so that, that, that was like one of those pieces like that. Uh, a nostalgia we, there, thing? we actually have one other Windsor song in our catalog, but we don't really allude to it specifically. So. Oh, it's like a masked reference to to Windsor. It's in the, in the background. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, it's a home. It doesn't. Rose City could be anyone's hometown, really. To me, it's that vibe of like remembering all this trouble you got into with your buddies. <laughs> is, is, is that? And I called it in another place. I called it a reflective party song. That's a new mm-hmm. genre. Reflection and partying together. Okay. So yeah. then the the vibe of the song then is meant to be like ebullient or like joyful then, and not like wistful about thinking about you know better days gone by oh it's very present yeah Yeah, it's very party it's like you know it's like now it could be tonight yeah it's a great fun song to play actually it's it's like great from the get-go 
like yeah. fortunately or not for me i still have a bunch of my friends who still act like we're 18 mm. a lot of them <laughs> it, you know it's a blue collar town people work hard and they play hard and when we got together for the first time after like we couldn't be together it was it was sort of that it was that sort of like we spent a lot of time talking about everything we've been through together but it's not not in a morning way more in sort of a celebrating way that's definitely the vibe i was hoping for for sure mm. Speaking of vibes, do you it's guys glory go- days without the baseball? Yes, <laughs> I, I was saying it's also like the boys are back in town a bit. Our boys are back. Well, in town. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is back. Yeah. yeah, nobody can throw a speedball by you. Yeah, for glory days, <laughs> nobody can throw. Everybody can drink. There you anyway, go. Sorry. Do you guys go into songs with specific vibes in mind? Like, do you think, hey, I want to write a song that captures a specific vibe, or do you find that you're discovering the vibe as you're writing the song? Uh, well, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I, I sometimes I think more than likely the vibe kind of lends itself to what I write about or kind of what visuals come into my head. And then I kind of write about those for myself. But I mean, yeah, I it's think, different. I think it's, it's different, different every time. Yeah. I, I, there was a couple on this one that I purposely was trying to do something like on the paper money's one where I was like, I want to write like a country, country, country song. And just like with hopefully smart lyrics and something a little bit different, but like rooted in that like basic country structure because i've been listening to that almost exclusively like a lot of 70s and older countries so i was like i want to try something like explicitly in that world a little bit more and in that so yeah it happens sometimes but it's not always the way well it's a great it's a great song where it's like it's up to date but it actually has you know the feeling of like that older style country right so it's great is that a a, like common thing that your listening habits inflect or or you know, infect your, your songwriting? Like, do you find that what you listen to suggests what you're going to write? I think so now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're learning more how to write and play, I think is one thing. And it's, I I would say yes for me, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the way you record everything. Yeah. I think the style of music you listen to will seep in. And I, I've been sort of obsessed with kind of older country music in the past few years. So I think that's definitely coming through, you know, you filter it. We're not necessarily like country musicians, per se as the traditional way but mm-hmm. it gets in there i think absolutely now the 70s like i mean there's there's a variety of like are, are we talking like like the law, outlaw country or are we talking like yeah like, that's where my head's at like all that so the like, like grittier like kind of dirt on the recordings kind totally, of totally like give me johnny paycheck or like any you know that era kind of i don't know if you've seen tales from the tour bus but you know any george jones stuff all that like my new favorite actually is not super country but terry reed is someone the sadies introduced mm-hmm. us to and he's sort of like this country rocker that i never really knew of he was supposed to be the singer for zeppelin but he turned it down so oh. but he's he's got some great stuff on his own it's really really cool stuff yeah it's I, it, it, those influences are in there for sure i love that era currently and like early willie and all that stuff it's my favorite stuff right now yeah i feel as though it's always kind of like how a, a child sounds like their parents it influences mm-hmm. you it's you don't sound exactly like them but if you pick up the phone you kind of sound like your dad mm-hmm. or your you know <laughs> like so it's like it kind of influences everything that you do it filters in for sure Right. And then in terms of, you know, how it seeps in, is it is it more trying to recreate some of like the tones like, you know, there's there's a very specific kind of sound to some of those records or is it more kind of like like the thematic and and like writing style, like like the the lyrics and and like the storytelling in it? Or is it is it a combination of the two? Yeah, like storytelling, even like not even talking about country music, but definitely for us is to me paramount always. Like, I think I heard Corb do an interview, Corb Lund, and he's all, it, it's great because he's just like, you want it to be accessible, but clever enough that it's not just dumb. 
like because some of the some you know lyrics can be I, I don't know everyone's different they're incredibly important to me what the story is and how it's being said so I think we try to take care with that because you can say the same thing the same way but hopefully in a song if you're you know there's only so many themes in the world really mm-hmm. but if you're if you're telling it in a bit of a different way where you allow, allow someone to sort of guess some of it i think that's the better way to do it personally so lyrically are you, are you like a draft and revise kind of writer like are you do you find you go back and you, you you like tweak lyrics to to better succinctly tell the story or more you know accurately get at the emotions of it it feels like we both do i i, I think i'm we're, a nitpicky like yeah. phrasing person i have to it has to be like i get real i have to use the word anal about like the flow of a phrase and you know what the words actually are and how they're be- yeah I, I absolutely that's a big deal sure is that in part because then you you, you know you have to keep repeating them like in a performance sense like i, I can't hate these words or regret them i have to kind of like buy <laughs> yeah, so that's the whole thing you, you you know what there's a moment when you when you realize that the song is just right when you're like okay i believe it <laughs> i'm not you're not faking anything or words feel as though they're in the right place right time and just they sound good and that's the point where we all start parodying the song and saying different words, like the Weird Al version. <laughs> the bad. Whenever we start making X-rated fun of the version. song, we know it's good enough. The original that we're actually like making fun of it and changing the words a bit. So mm. that's always my gauge of like, okay, we're into this one now. Now, is that <laughs> something you guys suss out when you're on the road? Like, do you try out songs and see if they're working? Oh, definitely, one one hundred percent. We've we've tried out a whole bunch of stuff. I, I was just talking. We were in Caslo a couple of years ago, prior to the pandemic, and. Uh, we had a song called it became bird dog but we didn't even have the last verse or anything we just had the shell of the song and kind of just took a chance on it we've been also playing rose city live for quite some time as well so it's like we like doing that because then you can kind of feel the energy with the audience you know you kind of take a chance it's more like tightrope walking so you can kind of you know you put a little bit of pressure on yourself yeah we've played a ton of unfinished songs live There'll be a few stinkers in Winnipeg. <laughs> do, you, do you announce that to the crowd? Like, hey, we're going to try something out here? Or do you just try it out and gauge kind of sometimes the reaction without? Sometimes you do. But for the most part, you just be like, they're never going to know. Right. Like, if they if they really know your tunes, they'll be like, oh, this is a new one. And they don't know. Some of our proper finished songs sound like mistakes anyway. So it doesn't, <laughs> it's, it's fine. But, some, you know, if I'm feeling, like, anxious about it, sometimes I'll ask for, like, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll let them know. But usually, no. But road testing songs has been something we've, always done just because we sort of had to i remember like yeah, our first right. tour we only knew like six songs and we got hired to go out on tour and so we had to like learn things as we went and mm. try things out pretty early and it's fun it is fun it's fun to try something that's see what's working what's not play it like this play it like that so well because you learn in the moment it's it's very it's very instantaneous like right yeah. you you can feel if something's right or wrong and it's and it's that pressure that kind of like creates something better and forces you to kind of hone in on what you're doing and, and to key in on it. And it's like, I enjoy that aspect of it. And then it's different than just playing in the studio where you, you don't have that audience no, response. Exactly. Right? Like you, they'll tell you right away. Yeah. They inform a lot. Yeah. yeah. Right. That, For that sure. immediate feedback versus like singing yes. into the dark in some sense in a studio. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's like when you finish a mix and if you can listen to it on your own forever, but, as soon as you, a friend or a parent or a, you know a kid or whatever walks in the room, your listening changes. You you can tell by how they're, as Mark said, you're getting you're informed by their uh, response instantly. Now you guys are playing Blue Note Park, which is essentially kind of like the outdoor times changed. D- does playing outdoors change things? Well, I mean it's 
Sometimes you get question, really. bugs in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in Winnipeg in late September, it could change things a lot. <laughs> and the blue mo the stage there at the blue mo is like it, it's got a ceiling over it, yeah. so it's not uh, it's not like playing outdoors where the sound just goes all over the place. It's it's actually feels pretty close. Yeah. Well, it feels like Texas, really. Yeah, like a roadhouse, like where you're like you're kind of outside and kind of. I mean, obviously the weather is not as warm as Texas, but mm -hmm. I mean it still has that kind of feel of an old, you know, old honky tonk yeah. type of place. And the Times crowd is good indoor or outdoors. They're always yeah. Good. So John's built an amazing thing on that little corner there. So it's yeah. Mm -hmm. The Times is a very special room to play in, no, no doubt about that. But Blue Note is a great addition, and it has the same feeling and vibe to it. Gotcha. Um, before I let you go, guys, I mean, normally I get you to pick a track, but like Rose City is essentially the only track from town right now. Yep. Legally. Legally. Okay. <laughs> uh, so when when is town and what's the timeline for like the the second half or do you have that kind of locked in yet? They kind of do. I think it's so town comes out in November. There's going to be a few singles prior to it fully coming out. And then country comes out in March, April, May, somewhere in there. I don't uh, They haven't nailed that down yet, but mm -hmm. somewhere along the, the lines there. So like so. A, a fall and spring kind of potentially. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah yeah so the whole thing is just back to the whole overarching idea of the record so there's going to be two limited releases mm -hmm. town is going to be a limited release country is going to be a limited release and then after those are sold we're going to press it together and it'll just be town and country forever and ever after that so it's kind of more because things are just you know it's there's spotify everything's available everywhere now it's like these are only going to be a limited quantity of and there's little bonuses on each so you're gonna exactly you can't yeah. you know you can't access you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna miss the chance to get the bonus tracks that are on each one yeah we kind of wanted to go back to something where it's just like you have to have it physically right kind of create something where it's important that way i have to say I, I appreciate that you're rewarding the people who get in early because it always irritates me that they put out the deluxe edition after the like fans have bought like the first no well that was the overarching idea is like do it for the people that really care right off the top right and then it's like if you didn't get in well then you're out of luck so you can you know you're gonna lose a whole bunch of little gems that are gonna be taken off when the two records get amalgamated right on well uh looking forward to seeing you guys at the blue no park on the 25th uh we're gonna play rose city and uh we thank you guys for your time and safe travels uh making it out here to winnipeg thanks a lot see you soon winnipeg yeah yeah see you soon thanks for having us thanks mike
quiero confesar dándote fe al corazón, man. Hoy quiero confesar dándote fe al corazón, man. Un par que no te rinde en este mundo de ilusión, de ilusión. Que los momentos es que vivir lo tenemos que aprovecharlo más. 